read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. This past week was crossover week at the North Carolina General Assembly, the legislature's self-imposed deadline for passing bills to keep them eligible during the 2023 session. It's an event that's helped turn the steady stream of bills that have been winning approval from the Republican supermajorities into a virtual torrent. Fortunately, despite the toxic impacts of gerrymandering, a phenomenon that's rigged so many electoral districts, there remains a cadre of caring and thinking lawmakers who continue to speak up against this regressive turn. And earlier this week, I caught up with one of the best and brightest in this group, Wake County State Representative Julie Von Hafen. Representative Julie Von Hafen, welcome to News and Views. Thanks so much for being back with us. Thanks for having me back. As we record this, it's crossover week, am I right, at the General Assembly, which is a week in which just a flood of legislation usually soars through both the House and the Senate, probably with varying degrees of actual scrutiny. One area in which it sounds like there's going to be a lot of legislation, we've already had a lot of legislation, is public education, where it seems in many respects the whole idea of public education is under assault in our state these days, where we're really transforming our public schools to look a lot more like private schools or to just filter kids out of the public schools. Talk to us about some of the legislation and some of your concerns. You know, we've seen this kind of erosion of our support for our public school system really since the Republicans came into power 12 years ago. And I feel like this session is just the culmination of kind of all of the things that they've been wanting to do over the past decade or so. And, and unfortunately, it's kind of coming to a head with, with the session and, you know, with the different makeup, you know, of our General Assembly at this point, you know, having uh, one of our K-12 education chairs, you know, switch parties and now be very supportive of private school vouchers and charter schools and all the things that, you know, we were hoping that she would maintain her support for our public school system, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. So with this new power structure, you know, we've seen them be very emboldened as far as the things that we're trying, that they're trying to do to our public schools, you know, whether it's like you said, the expansion of our, this massive expansion of our private voucher system, you know, whether it's just more money going to charter schools and so many different policy things that have been happening as far as both in the budget and then separate bills that have been run as far as, you know, even how our standard course of study is going to be chosen here in our state. It's extremely worrisome, you know, just for the future of our public schools, which were once, you know, beacon for the nation. Let's talk about this voucher program a little bit more. Now, right now, there's about 25,000 students. They have to be of low income to participate in the voucher program. It's not actually fully used at this point because uh, the demand hasn't been as much as perhaps uh, the original people who crafted the uh, law thought it might be. So now it's any child in the state who's a resident of North Carolina that their family could get a check to send them to a private school? That's exactly right. I mean, what, what we've heard, you know, for the last several years, when the Opportunity Scholarship Program first began was this narrative that we're trying to help low-income children. We're trying to give them the same opportunities as as other children in our state. And what I find to be very ironic is that whole argument and that whole discussion has now been thrown out the window because if we're just targeting this program to low-income families, then we should have a 
cap on the on the income of families that can access it. Well, this year with this massive expansion, that income cap has been completely taken away. So now any family, you know, regardless of, of what their family income is, can access this money. And we know, and we've said this for many, many years, that we know that low-income kids are not really accessing the Opportunity Scholarship Program because Going to private schools is not just a matter of paying the tuition. There's many other factors of why somebody would choose to go to a private school. How are the kids going to get there? How are they going to pay for their meals? We know all these things that private schools don't provide to their students. And so we knew deep down, I mean, I've known for years that this is not for just for low-income students. That was a, a story that was spun, honestly. And, and now I guess they've abandoned it at this point. So let me get this straight. Let's say I've just moved here and I'm a tech millionaire and I'm living in North Carolina for the first time. I think I'll send my kid off to a private school where the tuition is several, maybe tens of thousands of dollars per year. Uh, But hey, now I'll get an extra however many thousands of dollars from the state of North Carolina to subsidize that. That's dead on how it's going to work. Yes, it really doesn't matter who you are, what you make, I mean, anything like that. And I would also add that, you know, many of our private school tuitions are way more than even this voucher is going to cover. So it's not like, you know, you get the voucher, your tuition's covered and everything's good. Many of these tuitions are two, three times what the voucher is going to pay for. So again, it's it's really not helping the people that we were told that it was going to help. It's just really give out to you know, people who want to send their kids to private school. And it's it's taking that money, you know, honestly, directly from our public schools. It's a remarkable state of affairs. Let's talk about some other education legislation that's been proceeding. So it appears that the majority is pretty intent on privatizing our schools, our public schools, but the public schools that remain, we'd also like to get into the business of telling them what to teach the kids and not uh, leaving that to the professional educators anymore. So talk to us about this so-called standards advisory commission that the legislature is advancing in the house. Yeah. So right now, if people don't know, you know, our standard course of study is what is set by our state board of education and our department of public instruction, as far as kind of the standards that every year a child is in school, you know, they have to kind of achieve that standard, know, you know, this is what they need to know to move on to the next grade. It's not in the nitty gritty as far as curriculum. Curriculum is decided at the local level, but it had the curriculum has to comply with what that standard course of study is. Well, now in our constitution basically gives the authority to our state board of education to determine what that standard course of study is. It's a huge stakeholder process. It's been done, you know, for as long as I've been around, as long as, you know, North Carolina has been doing it this way. And people who are very versed in education, you know, have the ability and the knowledge and the education to make these decisions or involved with that. Well, now the General Assembly wants to create something called the Standard Course of Study Commission, which is literally a politically appointed committee, including the appointees from the speaker, the the president pro tem. And just last week, they did actually say they forgot to involve the governor in those appointed (laughs) positions. So they did add in some governor appointed positions to this commission. But really, you know, the people on this commission are business people, they are parents, they are at-large members. I mean, who knows who that could be? I mean, 
honestly, it's just people who have really no business being involved in how we're creating our education in the state. What's also really worrisome is that it gives the General Assembly veto power over what this commission would create. And so that is extremely worrisome because, as we know, last year there was a lot of controversy over this, our social studies, standard courses study. The General Assembly became involved with that. And so we've seen just this pattern of the General Assembly, the Republican legislators wanting to be micromanaging and controlling what teachers are saying and doing in the classroom. And this is just another example of that. We're talking with State Representative Julie Von Hafen from Wake County, who's serving in her third term in the North Carolina General Assembly, a voice of reason there on so many issues. We're talking about public education and the efforts of the General Assembly to micromanage more and more details of it. It seems that micromanaging details of people's lives is a high priority, unless it's guns or pollution these days at the General Assembly. It seems like um, the leadership is pretty... Uh, into the idea of micromanaging people's lives. And another area, of course, in which that's the case is abortion rights, where North Carolina to this point remains still a sanctuary state, a place where women have some control over their reproductive freedom. But it sounds like from what we hear, that's something that could well change in the coming days ahead. I haven't heard any more than probably the general public has about you know what they've been deciding, compromising on behind closed doors which is honestly very infuriating that like these men are having these conversations behind closed doors about what women and pregnant people can do in our state as far as accessing healthcare. It's extremely maddening. And I think most people, when they hear those kind of comments, feel the same way, you know, that they don't want people making these decisions behind closed doors and then coming to a compromise, you know, all on their own without really any input from physicians, you know, the people that are really on the ground doing this work. And like you said, North Carolina has become one of the only states in the South where abortion is still legal up to 20 weeks. And so we've seen this huge influx of patients. And so any ban, whether it's, you know, a six-week ban, a 12-week ban, 13-week, whatever they're, you know, they're going to come up with is going to hurt people. It's going to affect people's lives. It's going to really affect how doctors practice medicine in the state, which is really worrisome because we know we have so many maternity healthcare deserts already. Our maternal maternal mortality rate is huge. Um, you know, people are dying, you know, and they act like pregnancy is, has no risk to it. And it honestly, it does. And so these decisions are going to hurt people and it's very, very worrisome for many people. Yeah, I saw a statistic from some scientists recently that said that basically carrying a pregnancy to term is four times more dangerous to the pregnant person than it is to have an early term abortion. And of course, in many instances, we're talking about non-viable fetuses that will have to be carried by the mom all the way through, even though they know that there's no chance of survival. But because of laws like this, we've seen this in other states. It's a remarkable state of affairs. We're coming to the end of our time with Representative Julie Von Hafen. I want to ask you one more, not very uplifting uh, subject, which is gerrymandering. It looks like, according to the North Carolina Supreme Court, with a, a decision handed down in recent days, that pretty much any kind of partisan gerrymandering will be approved, I guess, in North Carolina going forward. Um, are you expecting more partisan gerrymandering in a redistricting process uh, this year? Unfortunately, yes. Friday was really a terrible day for democracy in our state. I mean, I can't really overstate that. Um, I hope most people realize how devastating this is going to be for voters. You know, voters 
are not going to be able to choose who their elected officials are in our legislature and in Congress because the people who draw the maps are going to be making those decisions. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, we knew we were going to have to redraw congressional maps. We knew that already, but there is no reason why we should be redrawing our legislative maps, especially our house map. Our house map was passed last year on a bipartisan basis. It was never challenged in court. So honestly, there is absolutely no legal reason why we should be redrawing that map this year, but it is going to be devastating, you know, for our state from this year and going forward, because as long as the people who made that decision are still in our Supreme Court. I don't see this changing, you know, anytime soon. And so, you know, it's just, it's even more more important for people to get out and vote because the only way that we can overcome gerrymandering is for people to vote and to make sure that even if they're in a really tough district, votes still matter. And I just hope that everyone doesn't give up and say, well, you know, it's too late now. There's nothing we can do because, we have to get organized and we have to keep, you know, keep fighting this. And the only way we can do that is for, for people to get out and vote. And hopefully at some point, perhaps a nonpartisan redistricting commission could be impaneled as it has in so many other states. I guess one little bit of solace is it looks like it may not be being done in the best way possible, but we're going to have Medicaid expansion. We think at least in North Carolina passed by a Republican legislature, maybe Maybe someday they can pass a, a redistricting law as well. I suppose we'll just have to keep uh, waving that flag. We'll see. I would hope that, you know, if they, if they had any interest in doing that, you know, I think we could have done it already. But like you said, with Medicaid, you know, it took 10 years for that to happen. So we just have to keep pushing and, and hoping they see the light that, you know, people do want to see an independent redistricting committee commission um, so that voters, you know, have the opportunity to have fair districts. State Representative Julie Von Hafen represents Wake County in the North Carolina General Assembly, where she's one of the most courageous and articulate voices in that body. Thanks for your wow, service. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> well, thanks thank for your you. service. Thank you. Coming up next, more on the legislature's deeply troubling move to privatize and hollow out our public school system with one of the state's top education policy experts. Stay with us.